Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Does anybody feel that liberty in the house tonight? Does anybody feel that freedom in the house tonight? That because the Spirit of the Lord is present in this room, in this very moment, that anything can happen. That because the Spirit of the Lord is here, the liberty is here also. Amen. I turn your attention now to the book of Luke, chapter 22, starting in verse 54. What an awesome... Spirit of God we feel in this house right now. I love that second song as well. He's still moving. He's still proving just how great He truly is. Amen. Luke chapter 22, while you're turning there, I want to give honor where honor is due and thank Pastor and uh, Pastor Cox, Brother Pastor Brom, Brother TJ, all of the, the leadership. We are blessed with great leadership here at Connect Point. Amen. I do not take this honor lightly, and I want to say a special thank you to my mom and dad as just my parents for raising me in the ways of God. I I try to say this as much times as I can. If it were not for them, I really don't know where I would be. So thank you. We appreciate you. And Luke chapter 22, verse 54, I'll start there. It says, Then took they him, talking about Jesus, And they led him and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld Peter as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And and Peter denied, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And and Peter once again said, I, man, I am not. Verse 59, in about the space of one hour, everybody say one hour. One hour after another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth or for certain, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. Verse 60, and Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew, and the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And the last verse, and the one that I want to focus on tonight, says, And Peter went out and wept bitterly. For the next few moments, I'd like to, to, to preach to you on this topic the beauty of brokenness. Can we lift our hands one more time? You can stay seated, but just with, with hands lifted and voices aloud, can we pray one more time? Lord, I pray that you would touch us tonight. I pray that your perfect will would be accomplished in this place, that you would anoint me as a vessel that you can use, and that, Lord, this word would fall on good hearts and good ground, Lord, that it might help somebody tonight. I pray that your perfect will be done. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. The beauty of brokenness. Has anyone ever heard of these things called rage rooms? Raise your hand. Yes, maybe. Oh, wow. That's more than I thought. Okay. So I did not, um, I have not ever heard of that before I looked it up. 
and uh, rage rooms are apparently a protected space filled with breakable items so people can go in and relieve their stress and, and other things, anger, I guess, by breaking these certain items. Uh, according to RageRampage.com, that is a real website, I looked it up, and this, there's, there's a quote. It says, it's not clear who invented the first commercial rage room, as several opened around the time of the 2008 financial crisis to help stressed out business people. They were invented to help stressed out business people. One of the very first rage rooms was called The Venting Place in Tokyo. This was opened by Katsuya Hara, a chiropractor who, was, uh, who saw that there was a great demand for people in need of an outlet to help them release their frustrations. How interesting. The quote goes on, uh, the website goes on to say, and I quote, in 2019, rage rooms really began to take off. However, the pandemic in 2020 unfortunately led to the failure of many fledgling businesses. In 2022, the popularity of rage rooms began to soar once more, and they are now more popular than ever. There are hundreds, possibly even thousands of rage rooms across the globe, with most major city, cities having at least one. Um, personally, I would like to just go test it out, like just go see what it's like. Um, but it might seem crazy to some people. I guess I'm the only one it seems crazy to because I, I didn't know they existed. But people actually go to these things and they go in with some sort of uh, bat or some sort of weapon and they just go to town. <laughs> I, I, I guess that's, that's just what they do. But you see, the world looks to relieve their stress and brokenness and even hurt by physically breaking other things. And I might even add physically breaking other people, maybe not physically, but spiritually or emotionally or mentally. And the church needs to know that there is a beauty to being broken. And I do not mean there's a beauty to being broken by other people. I just mean when you are truly broken, there's a beauty to that. And I will help, I will uh, walk through that with, with you tonight. And it is not fun or popular, but being broken is what allows the Lord to shape us. You see, in Luke chapter 18, we start in verse 10, there's a parable that Jesus talks about. He says, two men went up into the temple to pray. The one was a Pharisee and the, the other is a publican. So the story is being set by Jesus here. We see two men, one a Pharisee, the other a publican, going into the temple at some hour of the day to pray like they normally would. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. He says, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men that I am not as other men are, that I'm not an extortioner, that I'm not unjust, that I'm not an adulterer, or even as this publican. So I find that quite odd. Um, when I pray in church, and when you guys pray in church, we don't usually pray loud enough so we can tear other people down, one, so that's weird. And, and we, don't, we don't pray to, to hurt other people. We're praying so that God can help us. And then he goes on to say, I fast twice in the week and I give tithes of all that I possess. So he's really building up his reputation here. And look at verse 13. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. But he was smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, so, so not the Pharisee, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and, every, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You see, God honors your brokenness, and he knows how to make it right. 
People may try and put labels on you. People may try to proclaim to be better than you. People may try and publicly even shame you. But we must understand that God can take a broken heart and a broken mind and a broken spirit and He will mend it in the way that it, He needs it and wants it to be mended. You see, brokenness, it, it is often coupled with guilt or with shame. It, it is a feeling of the heart. Everybody say it's a feeling of the heart. Brokenness leads to a total reliance on God. You see, the Lord used broken people in the Bible days, and the Lord can still use broken people today. That's one of the biggest um, um, things that I think, uh, maybe I, I'll just say me, I face as, as a Christian, as an apostolic in today's world, is I read through the Bible and I say, wow, God used them so mightily. Wow, God did such a great work through them. But then I think after that, but he can never use me. But he could, he could never work through me because you don't know, God, you don't know what I went through last week. God, you don't know what I did last week. God, you don't, you don't know what I participated in last week. But every single one of these people saved Jesus was a broken person. Every single one of the characters in the Bible that were, that were real people, they had real problems. They had real issues, but it was because they were broken. They had that broken spirit inside them that God molded it and mended their heart and shaped them to be who he needed them to be. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, when we are broken, we rely on the strength of the Lord because there's no one else to turn to and there's nowhere else to go. And I came to preach to someone tonight, I may be broken, but I'm going to rejoice in my infirmity. I may be broken, but I'm going to rejoice in my persecution. I may, uh, why, why would I do that? It is because His strength is made perfect in my weakness. When I am weak, he is strong, the Bible says. When I am broken, he can make it right. I have a word for someone tonight. You might find yourself broken today, but start rejoicing. You might find yourself broken, but start praising. Start worshiping because the Lord will see you through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. That means when you go into your workplace on Monday, start rejoicing. When you go into your school on Tuesday, start praising. Because I might be broken, but that is what God can use. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now I bring us back to our story that we that we kicked off with in uh, Luke chapter 22 about Peter. You see, Peter proclaimed that he would go to jail and he would even follow Christ unto death. He made these bold statements, but we read that it was he did not follow up with them. Christ prophesies that Peter will deny him three times before the cock crows. And, and we read again in Luke 22, verse 61 and 62. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. You know, 
as I paint the picture here, Peter huddles around the fire as it pops. The smoke is rising as he gets close to the fire to keep his warmth. And as the people around him start to notice, he looks familiar. He looks like he was with Jesus. Peter denies three times, one after another after another. And as soon as he denies that third time, he makes eye contact with Jesus, the man who pulled Peter into a life filled with purpose. The, the man who, who showed Peter great things. The man who would eventually die on a cross for Peter's sins, not just Peter's, but for our sins as well. He locks eyes with Jesus, and he goes out of the camp and weeps bitterly. Peter, in that moment, was truly broken. And there's plenty of stories about broken people in the Bible, but this one stuck out to me the most. You see, the guilt he must have felt, the shame he must have felt, the, the tears that were shed that night as the Savior goes before the high priest Caiaphas to be, to be judged, and then he gets mocked and ridiculed, slapped, tormented, publicly shamed. Peter, once booming with such confidence, once, once proclaiming that he was the Christ, he had these high moments with Jesus, and now he's at his ultimate low. He can only think about what he did wrong as he goes out of the camp and weeps. He can only think about how previously Christ pulled him into this life of purpose in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. It says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto him, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. You see, Peter left, Peter left that camp bitterly or weepingly thinking about Jesus as thinking back to that time when he would just get up every day and go fishing for his job for money so that he could provide uh, meals and, and clothes so he could have a living. He thinks about now all of his purpose as he, as he goes around with Jesus teaching, uh, teaching these people the, the ways of the Lord, teaching them the commandments of the Lord, and now his life is suddenly filled with purpose as in that moment he thinks about that. He thinks about when he was called. He also can think about how Christ would give him the keys to the kingdom in Matthew chapter 16. He says, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What a bold statement. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou, sh thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Peter was granted power from on high, but now he remembers when Jesus was all he had. Now he remembers when Jesus was the only purpose, the only reason that he wanted to live. Now he remembers when Jesus was all he cared about, and that adds to his feelings of brokenness. But this is not how Peter's story ends. And I just want to remind somebody that Jesus, the omniscient, omnipresent, all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful God, knows we will mess up, but he still trusts us with his message anyway. You see, if you came from a broken home, he still trusts you with his message. If you came from a broken marriage, he still trusts you with his message. If your life is now a result of other broken people's actions, he still trusts you with his message. The beauty of brokenness is that Christ will trust us with his message and then he will restore us to share that message. Peter was restored later in John, as we read in John chapter 21, starting at verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon, 
Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And Peter said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Jesus says, Feed my lambs. He, uh, Jesus says unto him a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And this time Peter was grieved in his heart, because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And Peter said unto him, Lord, you know all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Peter, who previously denied Christ three times, now confirms his love again to Christ three times. One commentary answers the question, why was Peter grieved that Jesus asked three times? And the commentary response says, because it put Peter in mind of, of him having denied his Lord three times. The remembrance of which cut him to the heart. And it added to his grief that his love, which he knew was unfeigned, notwithstanding his conduct, should seem to be suspected. You see, Peter was reminded of his brokenness. But the beauty of this story is that Jesus restores Peter and commands him to feed his lambs and feed his sheep, which we know is illustrative of, of people, of, of the world. And how does Peter feed this, the, the people spiritually? Acts chapter 2, verse 38. We all know it, and it was said this morning. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You see, I came to remind someone tonight in this place that being broken is not the end of your story, but it is the beginning. If brokenness is the end of Peter's story, then somebody else preaches that apostolic message. But because Peter was broken and willing to be restored, that is where we see his call unfold. I wonder if there's some Peters in the house tonight. The guilt might be setting in. The brokenness is all around, but I still have work to do. I still have a message to share. I still have lost family members to reach. I still have friends that need to be saved. I still have a city and a region that need Christ. God can use that brokenness and he can turn it into something beautiful. And you see, brokenness has many levels and it is caused by numerous factors. I do not want to stand here and limit or put titles on what is and what is not brokenness. But I do want to show us what the word says about brokenness. Psalms chapter 51, verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. You see, God accepts sacrifice from a broken spirit. He will not despise the broken or the contrite heart. The world and even us and our humanity so often, well, even me, I'll just say in my humanity, we look at this brokenness through a lens that is defeat, that if I'm broken, then I'm defeated, or if I'm broken, then I'm weak. But we fail to realize that the Bible says God accepts the sacrifices of the broken, and the contrite spirit and heart he will not despise. That tells me that whenever I am truly broken before the Lord, and when my heart and my spirit is broken, I am in a good place to turn to the Lord. You see, the beauty of being broken, and I, I'm trying to, trying to just pound this in, the beauty of being broken is there is nowhere else to go. There is no one else to turn to but God. 
So we need to stop looking for the answer to brokenness in a bottle. We need to stop looking to the answer of brokenness in a person. We need to stop looking for the answer to brokenness in a social media account or some sort of relationship. The answer to brokenness is in Christ and in Him crucified. When He went to that cross, He was going to that cross to wipe away the sins and to restore your broken heart. You see, those of a broken heart and contrite spirit, God accepts that. God loves that. God uses that. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15. This verse really hit home for me. It says, For thus saith the high and lofty one, the one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. Someone say, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. With who? With him that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Why does, he, why does he hang out with people? Why does he dwell with people of a broken and contrite spirit? To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. I had to look up what contrite means. and In the Greek form, it means brokenhearted, desolate, or heartbroken. You see, I, I, I came into this, into this with this message on my heart and I feel like I'm preaching to someone tonight who, who feels like they'll never start their ministry. I feel like I'm preaching to someone tonight who feels like uh, they won't do anything for God in, in their life. I feel like the lies of the enemy have been so loud in your, in your mind and the lies of the enemy have been so vivid and so powerful that you go, to, you go to sleep at night and you lay your head on that pillow and you think of all the mistakes you've done. You try and get up the next morning and you try and pray and you try and read your Bible, but something just isn't right. Something just isn't clicking. But I've been there. I've been broken before. We all have been broken. Has anyone been broken in the house? It's not a great feeling, but guess what? The Lord uses that brokenness. The Lord can turn that into something beautiful and into something powerful. Oh, Zachary, Zachary, you don't know my past. You don't know what, what I've done. You don't know my actions. You don't know what I used to be. Well, thank God for the blood because that's not who you are anymore. When Christ went to die on Calvary, that was to wash away the old man and behold, a new creature in Christ is born. I don't know maybe what you, what you struggled with, and I don't maybe know what was done unto you, but the answer to brokenness is in Christ. And He dwells with those who are of a broken and contrite spirit. You see, when that last trumpet blows, and, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up with Him, it will not be the haughty, the high-minded people who, have, who think they have it all together. It will be the saved people who are truly broken and have a humble, contrite heart. Those are the people we will be caught up with. When we are casting our crowns before the Lamb of God, when we are, when we are crying, holy, holy, holy around the throne, it will not be those who have a high, haughty spirit. It will be the broken, contrite spirit people that will be around the throne forever and eternity saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Heaven will be filled with once broken but now restored people. And that restoration is in this room right now. That restoration is here today. Uh, if the music wants to come, and we can all stand. 
the song that has been on my heart ever since I started studying for this message. It goes, Lord, I am broken. My life is in pieces, but your strength is perfect in all of my weakness. You see, it's a cry to the Savior. It's, it's a cry to someone who can help us. It's a cry to the Master who has all power and all authority. But there is just one question I have tonight before we make our way down to these altars. And that question is how will you respond to the brokenness? How will you respond if you haven't felt it yet? How will you respond if you're in it right now? You see, the Bible mentions at least two different types of hearts in the Bible. I already said that, but it mentions the hardened heart and the tender heart. Notice that both hearts are broken. A hardened heart is one of unforgiveness, one of hate, one of deceit, one of unjustness. It is a broken heart that is healed in the wrong way. The Bible says God hardened Pharaoh's heart in Exodus 14, verse 8. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with a high hand. But on the flip side, a tender heart is one of forgiveness, love, joy, peace, patience. It is a broken heart that was healed by God in the correct way. Ephesians 4.32 And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know everything that you guys have gone through, that I have gone through, that we all have gone through. I'm not going to sit here and, and act like it's some small thing because I do understand the gravity of some situations in the room. And I understand the brokenness that is in this room. But I also understand based on the Word of God that their beauty of brokenness is that God can take that broken heart and that broken spirit and He can use it for His purpose. You see, if we let Him mend our heart to be tender, we can be used for His kingdom. God cannot use a hardened heart. God can use a heart that is tender. The thing about brokenness is that a heart is going to heal one way or the other. The question is, how will you let it be healed? And it is our choice how we let that heart heal. A hardened heart forms scar tissue. It forms uh, a scar tissue. It removes the feeling from, from it. It removes the love. It removes the joy. It removes the peace. A tender heart also forms tissue or scar tissue, but the Lord can allow us to keep that feeling of love that feeling of forgiveness, that feeling of peace. So the call is simple. One, if you are broken, how will you let that heal? And two, if you have been broken for a long time, I have good news today. Because the Lord is in this room right now. And it is time we let the Creator heal our hearts. He created them in the first place. It is time we let the Master have His work in our lives. You know, there may be bitterness. There may be anger. Someone might have aught with a brother or sister. And they have been holding on to these feelings for a long time. But it's time tonight that we, we, we come boldly before the throne of grace. And we ask the Lord to take away that broken, uh, that, that, that hardened heart. It is time as we make our way down to the altar. Those, whoever will, you can come on down to the altar. It is time that we cry out to the Lord. Lord, I'm broken. I'm broken. 
Lord, I'm broken. And I want you to heal my heart in the way that only you can heal it. Please, oh God, heal our heart. God accepts the sacrifices of those of a broken heart and of a contrite spirit. And when we get around the throne of grace, we will not regret being broken and letting the Lord mend our hearts and mend our spirits. Lord, I am broken. My life is in pieces, God. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.